Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Don't ever set aside or nullify or make the word of God of no effect. You see, there's always these three steps in this downward flow away from God's word. England has done it. Europe has done it. The United States is in the process of doing it. First of all, when man's religious ideas become more important than the divine revelation of God, the written word of God, we're in trouble. Some people in our day put far too much emphasis upon man's opinions. They highly esteem man's thoughts sometimes above the word. They may not realize that's what they're doing, but essentially that's what's happening. In today's message, Pastor Mark warns against a subtle drift towards man's opinions over the word of God. He says that when man's word becomes more important than God's divine written word, we have taken the step back toward nullifying the word of God. We're effectively making God's word of no effect. Which will you choose, God's word or man's? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Danger Blind Guides. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is going to talk about some very interesting passages of Scripture that relate to the Old Testament. And as you look at verse 15, we'll begin there this morning. Interesting things take place because he's going to address pretty forward things that... uh, well, that we don't like to really address. He's going to actually be, Jesus is today, a little bit in our face. Just a little bit in our face. We'll begin in chapter 15, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus was popular. Things were happening. Up in Jerusalem, the Jewish rabbis, the Pharisees, the scribes, they knew that this was going to be a problem for them. Religion versus Jesus. So they headed to Galilee, and as they were there in Galilee, they begin to confront Jesus. And there's this clash that is right in their face. It's going to be a clash that you're going to see all the way through our teaching today in two areas. Here's the problem. Man's religious traditions or ideas versus the truth of God's word. 
So what you're going to see is there's this clash between the word of God and man's ideas. It's the same clash that we actually see today. The truth of God's word and the ideas, many of them, the religious ideas of man. How do we interplay that? How does it fit together? That's the clash that we're going to see. Now, why would it have to be a clash? The Jews were given in the Old Testament the word of God, starting with the Ten Commandments. And then it began to expand, as you know, and then we had the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and then we added the history books, and then the poetic books, and then the prophetic books, and we just kept adding and adding and adding, and we have the Old Testament. Well, here's what happened. With the Old Testament, the the people began to say, well, I don't understand what that means. And so the Jewish leaders, the teachers, they begin to write in their own minds, uh, interpretations of what the scripture meant. And so over the centuries, they began orally from generation to generation to say, well, this is what this passage means, and this is what this passage means, and this is what this passage means. And pretty soon as we get to Jesus' time, the interpretation of what the scripture said was larger than what the scripture was. In fact, it got so out of hand that about the year 200 A.D., about 170 years after Jesus, these commentaries were put into writing. Those of you that study much in the Bible would know them as the Mishnah. And it was a commentary on the Old Testament. The problem was this. If you hold this as their book, let's just say this is a book of their interpretations, and this was the Bible, they didn't look at it like this. They looked at it like this. That man's interpretation or ideas were more powerful and more true than the Word of God. In fact, listen to this quote from the Mishnah. It is a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbis than to contradict scripture itself. So by the time Jesus is here, things have changed. In fact, Mark chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 says it like this. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So this incident is not caused by dirty hands. They didn't put some of the sterilizer on them. It was a religious ceremonial cleaning. And as you can see there, they were instructed, it got so bad that they would be instructed to pour so much water and the amount of water was, and they had to rip down here to come off your elbows. And and you had to do it exactly like this, or you couldn't worship in the temple, or you certainly couldn't serve in the temple. So Jesus is going to say, well, what do you mean you're, you're, you're saying to my, my disciples that they break the tradition of the elders? How is he going to respond to that? Look at verse 3. Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Have you ever been in a situation where you ask somebody something Instead of answering you, they ask you another question. That's exactly what Jesus does. He just blows that off because he's going to give a teaching. So he says, well, let's not talk about my disciples. Let me tell you what I know about you. Now, in verse 4 and verse 5, I want you to circle just a little part of this. Here we go. Verse 4, circle the first three words. For God said, for God said, honor your father and mother, 
And anyone who curses his mother or father must be put to death. Verse 15, I want you to circle the first three words. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you, circle this word in verse 6, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So notice, I ask you in verse 4 and 5 to circle things. There's the battle. This is the battle. God says, but man says this. God says, do it this way. But man religiously says, no, we will do it this way. Second thing for you to write down this morning. Know that God's word is timeless truth. It's timeless truth. It doesn't matter the generation. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what time in the beginning of history to the end of history, God's word never changes. It's flawless. It applies today just exactly as it applied in Jesus' day. So what Jesus is going to say is, by the way, when he left, just before he left the earth, he He spoke about us and he gave a prayer to the Father about us. And he says this, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's the premise of today's teaching. What will we do with that? We talked about what's happening in Europe. By and large, it's not believed in any way, shape, or form. And that's why today Europe has become godless. One to two, maybe three percent of the people even go to church. The rest of it is totally godless. How does that happen? Because they didn't understand this principle. My word, God says, is all true. Now, what was Jesus talking about here? He says, look at verse 4. He says, God's word, and he gives us the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. He says, here's the commandment. Honor your father and mother. He says, but you're not doing it. What did that mean? Let me give you an understanding how that went. In those days, honor your father and mother, just as it is today, just simply means that. Now, when you get married, we know that we leave and we cleave. There's a different relationship, and you you don't live with them anymore, and you don't respond to them. You have a new husband and wife. But as your parents get older, you still honor them as your parents. They are your parents. And let me give you a scenario how this worked. This is exactly what would happen in those days. Well, the Jewish tradition had come up with something in their wisdom called korban, Korban. It meant this. I could have these assets of money or a home or stocks or whatever that we would call it today. And we would korban it. We would dedicate it to God. So I could dedicate this money or these assets to God. But here's the way they interpreted that. I gave it to God, but I could actually keep it for myself as long as I wanted. As long as I said I gave it to God. And so what would happen is this. Mom and dad come. They come over to the house and, and uh, you're the son and you know, they're getting old. And we'd, I'll put it in terms of today. Man, we need to go into this assisted living place. We can't take care of ourselves anymore and we, we don't have enough money. And we know that you're really wealthy. Can you help us? And the son would say, man, I'm so sorry. You know, all the, you know, the $200,000 that I had set aside for that? Well, God spoke to me long ago, and I corbonded it to God. And I gave it to God. So I gave it to God, so I can't give it to you. I'm sorry. Well, a few months later, you come back, and this gentleman now has a new pool in the backyard. And they would say to him, well, 
What happened there? Well, God said he didn't need the money right now and I built a pool. You say, that's stupid. That's exactly what they did. So outwardly, how did they look? Beautiful. What did you do with your assets? I corbonded. it. I gave it to God. Wow, what a guy. Mom and dad, could you loan us a fiver? No. So outwardly, they look tremendous. But Jesus says, oh, there's a problem. Because what you did inwardly is a sin. He says, I don't care about your tradition at all. So two things I want you to write. First one is this. Don't ever set aside or nullify or make the word of God of no effect. You see, there's always these three steps in this downward flow away from God's word. England has done it. Europe has done it. The United States is in the process of doing it. First of all, when man's religious ideas become more important than the divine revelation of God, the written word of God, we're in trouble. That's where we are today. See, man begins then to disobey the word, or he invalidates it and says it really doesn't apply. And the third step, well, he just substitutes man's ideas for the ideas of the word of God. Danger. Don't let tradition or man's ideas replace God's truth. That is what has killed England, Europe, and we are in the process of doing that today. People are afraid to teach the word of God. And so now they circumvent it. They go around it. They find a korban, a loophole. And now we say this in the church, well... Yeah, I believe this, but it really doesn't mean that. Well, what does it mean? Well, listen to my ideas. This is what it means. And pretty soon we begin to dilute the word of God or we nullify the word of God. In fact, why even have the word of God? And this is what is happening in our lives. Now, that's the big picture. What about in your life? See, what Jesus was saying is, Well, when it comes to this situation, you just kind of nullify the truth of the word of God. And he says, you can't do that. He knew what was happening in their hearts. Well, is truth relational or is there something called absolute truth? By the way, what do you think the Bible teaches? Absolutely. It teaches absolute truth. Well, if we went outside and we went to the mall today, what do you think you'd hear if you ask what is truth? But you got to go back to people and go, well, where did you come up with that idea? You see, it's all what? It's all man's ideas instead of what? The word of God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that doesn't happen in in America, really. It doesn't happen in our church, does it? It happens in our church all the time. Very often, I'll be sitting in counseling. And the individual or couple will say, boom, 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 boom. And I'll say, well, let's go. This is what God's word says to do. Can be about any subject. And very often, here's what I hear. Well, I know that's what God's word says to do, but not today. Or I don't want to do that. Now, they would never say, I don't want to do that. They would just say, thank you for the word. But you know, in my spirit, I already know. What do I know? When they walk out the door, they have just made this what? Null 
and void and no meaning. Because they're going to do what? They're going to do what they want to do anyway. Now, is that dangerous? It's disastrous. Because this is absolute truth. And you can come up with any idea you want. And that's exactly what they did. The Jewish people, instead of obeying the word of God from their heart, they found loopholes. You know what a loophole is. At text time, you're looking for them suckers. <laughs> loopholes. They found a loophole and they would just say, Korban. Jesus said, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, he's going to get a little more bold. Look at verse 7. You hypocrites. This is the religious leaders. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Stop for a moment. What does that mean? Notice what Jesus does. This is classic. When people begin to argue with you, and and you do it in a kind way, and they begin to argue about what truth is or what the Bible says about this or living together before you're married or not forgiving somebody or whatever, notice what Jesus does. What is the first thing Jesus does in this verse? Where does he go to prove his point? Where does he go to prove his point? Goes to the Word of God. He goes back to one of their prophets... And he went, aha, about 700 years ago, Isaiah told me about you. Take a look at, I have it in the New Living Translation. He says this in Isaiah. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. Let's stop there. Isaiah says, all these Jewish people say, man, we know God. How many people in the United States today say they know God and are Christians? You know, the statistics are amazing. Sometimes 60, 70, 80% of the people in the United States say have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that true? No, that's not true. So Isaiah says, well, they say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts. So all of a sudden, you're going to see this dichotomy again. It's the external versus the internal. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws. Here's the highlighted part. Learned by rote. Let's think about tradition. Tradition's hard, isn't it? By the way, do we have any traditions in the church? Sure, we have lots of traditions. How many of you remember some of the old hymns? Remember the old hymns? You sang the old hymns. One glad morning when the life is o'er, I'll... How about another one? Onward, Christ. There you go, man. Now, how do you know that? Because you sang it for 27 years in your church. Now, why do we... This is a little key for you. Why do we insert new choruses about every three weeks? Because what happened in the old days, they were wonderful hymns. We still like some of them. But we could close our eyes... We could play golf and sing Onward Christian Soldiers. Am I right? Because we learned it by rote. And the words never went from here. They were always from where? Here. Now, many of you are from the Catholic Church. Did you learn anything by rote in the Catholic Church? Now, it wasn't bad stuff. In fact, some of you are there so long, you could do the service if you were the priest. Am I right? I mean, you can zip it right off. Nothing wrong with it, but what happened? You sometimes looked for the priest that could speak the fastest, and it was the shortest service you could ever find. (laughs) Well, in the Protestant church, did we have a lot of road stuff? Sure we did. And so it's no different, and all God was saying, Jesus was saying is, hey, you guys, you're doing your religious deal. I mean, it's not about your lips, the external. It's not about washing of hands. It's about your hearts. When we were in uh, York, actually Bradford, we went to see uh, 
cathedral that was incredible. It's the York Cathedral. It's part of the Church of England. And uh, it's just gorgeous. Well, while we were there, as you know, when you go to visit places like this, they always have a station where you can go and pay for a guided tour. Somebody that knows the building, all the stops, all the history, and you take a guided tour. Well, notice this next picture. You notice something's wrong here. Can you imagine going to a great cathedral and you ask if there's a tour and they say, yes, there is a tour. And you say, well, where do you queue up? Where do you get in line? Well, right over there where the blind guides are. The blind guides are going to take you on the tour. You're going to say to yourself, what? A blind guide couldn't lead me on a tour. I mean, what good? They wouldn't know when it started, when it ended. We wouldn't know where we would be lost. This is what Jesus is talking about. Let me tell you what happened while I was there. Well, while I was there, I was at the front desk. Lynn and I have been through all over the world. So we've been so many cathedrals, whatever. The other friends that were with us wanted to go through. We just wait outside. While I was there, all of a sudden, here's this announcement. Please be quiet. I mean, thousands of people are touring this place. Please be quiet. And what is that? She said, oh, every so often, at a regular schedule, we stop and silence it, and somebody reads a prayer. Well, everybody got quiet all over, you know, whatever, this place. And somebody read a prayer. Prayer was nice. Let me ask you. As they read the prayer, how many people do you think of those thousand were actually praying? I mean, I wasn't. I was trying to get a hold of how to get to the next place. There was like nobody. But we went through a form. It sounded nice, but it was useless. It could have meant something, but you can't force prayer. So Jesus kind of addresses this, and it's, well, it's pretty up in the open to us. Remember when Jesus said to the woman at the well, you got to worship me in spirit and in truth. Well, look at verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said two things. Listen and understand. So Jesus is basically saying that to the crowd. He says, bring him aside. Let me tell you some principles. Now, this is going to be a very revolutionary principle. In fact, verse 11 is a key verse in this passage. Notice what he says. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. This is incredible. Everybody sitting there, the disciples included, had followed the Jewish tradition, and the Jewish tradition taught that what goes in a mouth does make a man unclean. You can't eat shrimp, you can't eat pork, you can't do this, you can't do that. And Jesus says... What goes into the mouth doesn't make a man unclean. Now think about that. You have generations of people going, what? What was Jesus saying? What Jesus is really saying is this. Listen, all foods are okay. See, to us, that's not revolutionary. To them, it's huge. It is a dangerous thing for a blind man to be leading a blind man. The end result is generally not good. This holds true in the realm of Christian discipleship as well. In today's message, Pastor Mark warned us of the dangers of esteeming man's words and opinions over the Word of God. It can happen very subtly. We need to be careful who we're following. Thus, Pastor Mark today sounded the warning, Danger, Blind Guides. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Jesus was known at times for saying some pretty hard things. He wasn't afraid to talk about the difficult subjects of sin and hell. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark explains that Jesus had to say some hard things because the people he was speaking to had a habit of following blind guides. Who are you following today? Are you following the right leader? Remember, your eternal destiny may lie in the balance. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.